Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Well, I want to talk to you today that's going to, I think I'm going to help you. I hope to. Uh, life is not always easy. And there's difficulties that come up in your life, uh, circumstances that you can't control. Problems and difficulties that happen to your life that causes you to worry. And today, with God's help, we're going to put a knife in the heart of worry and fear. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9. 1 Peter 5. Six through nine. How many times do I have to do this before I pass the test with Pastor Eric? Three. I thought so. When you know the rules, you can break the rules. So let's proceed with First Peter five six through nine. <laughs> Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Resist him steadfast in faith. The, the, the there is italicized. So resist him steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are the same problems and difficulties are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. My Father, I come to you in the magnificent name of Jesus. Father, I ask that your presence would be here among us that by the Holy Spirit and would minister to each and every heart. Father, I know that there are people here today that are facing struggles that are giants. The, the, the difficulties and the problems are bigger and stronger than they are. Father, I ask today by your presence and your power that you defeat these giants today. That they would fall to their knees and they would lose their head and would never exist again in our lives. That we would rise champions above every difficulty through all conquering Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. The scripture here tells us to do something. It says, humble yourself. <laughs> it's better to humble yourself than to God humble you. Now, I don't know how you feel about life, but I, when I first got saved, I had, a, I had an afro before I lost all my hair. And uh, it was red. I had naturally curly hair, and I had an afro. And I, I was about to start Christ the Nations, and I had got saved in Northern California and when the Jesus moved and came to Texas, debunked Texas. Texas didn't know nothing about worship because we were in the flow in Northern California, man. I'm telling you things, God was doing stuff. Now, I was a Texas boy, but I'd been, I'd been there. So I, at Christ the Nations, I went out and bought me a rust-colored suit to go with my beautiful red hair and I had that I had that that beautiful suit on and I was in a church and I and the and I had my mother my mother-in-law my first my wife my mother-in-law my father-in-law I think we had granny with us and and uh, and there I stood I said okay all right here we go let them see how I had one hand in the air and then the other hand in the air I was worshiping Jesus man Oh, man, look at me worship Jesus. How good am I at worship? 
this is so awesome how I worship God. And then I kind of hear this laughter. And I look, and the entire row of all my relatives are laughing at me. What? I'm worshiping God. And then my wife reaches through and pulls the tag out from underneath my arm. God can humble you. Yeah. Set aside your righteous pride. Give yourself a lower rank. Understand that God is all-powerful. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Uh, God is your source of strength. He is your wisdom. He provides for you. He is your righteousness. Humble yourself. Put yourself in his total care. Position yourself under his mighty delivering hand. Now, I have recently gone through transition through my church. And so, if you understand, I went from senior pastor, church planner, to now I was uh, as involved. They did a, a, a conference just for all their volunteers, and uh, I was in the conference, uh, and and as conferences go, people are busy, people are going everywhere, and at this one particular time, they break for lunch, and then all the speakers go to a room, and there I am, and my wife, not back to the green room, not invited to go back, and I look at, and she looks at me, she says, we're going to go somewhere to eat, and I says, yeah, that's great, well, I left there with my feelings hurt. truth, right? We want to be honest. I left there with my feelings hurt. Senior pastor, I didn't get honored like I should be honored. Well, the, the reality is I, I, I'm the man. I can walk in there, kick the dang door open and say, what the heck are y'all doing in here? And they, they understand that I have that kind of, uh, you know, demeanor that I do that stuff. I, I go in and say, hey, I'll make room for myself. You don't make room for me. I mean, I had that. But from this particular day, through this transition, going from senior pastor to, to not, you know, to, to uh, missions pastor, became a difficult situation for me, and I found myself being humbled. They weren't doing it. God was doing it. At one particular time, while I'm in the bathroom, my son is honoring me from the pulpit. <laughs> now, God, and see, people say, well, no, the, the devil did that. No, because I committed my life to Jesus. I submit my life to Jesus. I resisted him. He has to flee. Now, God's in control of this humbling process. Because why? Because Jesus became of no reputation. Jesus, the Son of God, the, the darling of heaven, creator of the world, humbled himself and became as a servant. And he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And yet, we have a tendency to allow, allow pride to get a hold of us. When we read, the, the, we're Paul, Pauline guys. We love Paul. But when we forget that we're reading most of the scriptures that we read sometimes, he penned while he was in a Roman prison with a stench of human feces in his nostrils. And we forget about that kind of humility. God's warning us to not think bigger of ourselves than we should. And it's not always easy. 
Jesus said in John 15, 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in me. Neither can you unless you abide in me. We, we understand the abiding in Jesus. That's great. That's wonderful. Yeah, we abide in him. And as we abide in him, then we become servant leaders. Yeah, we like to have the best parking spot. Yeah, we like to have the honor. Yeah, it's wonderful when you stood and clapped. Praise God. And just like I said, that's good. Well, you won't give any, any man too much honor. Yeah, I get it. But when I walk out those doors, guess what? Humility's knocking at my door. The enemy's always trying to degrade you. Now, I will say this. God does sometimes need to humble you. I get that. But the enemy is out to degrade you. So often we, we come in contact with people that don't understand some things, and they, under, they say that God breaks you, and God sometimes goes after you and breaks you. I, I, I don't want to argue with people like that. I, I, I don't, because it's all in the definition. Brokenness in regard to if your humility, in regard of God, if you humbling your life, they want to call that broken, but the problem in the church today is that so often when you say that God's breaking me, sometimes they take the terminology that God is breaking me with cancer, God is breaking me with divorce, God is breaking me with, with rebellious children, God is breaking... See, so often the, 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 the works of the enemy is called the works of God, and it says that, that the enemy, well, basically God sent those to break us. That's not true. Jesus became broken for us. You need to learn what to stand against. Just because you're having a, you know, if you say, well, I'm really humble. Well, sometimes that is not to, to humble you as much as to, to, to demoralize you. You have to realize that the, the enemy is against you in that respect. Yeah, you need to walk in your confidence. So the Bible says in Romans 5, 17, of all the humility that we have, now then we read the scripture like this. For if by one man's offense, which is Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. That, that, that word there says that, that, that you will reign in life as a, as a king. You reign as a king. Through who? Christ. By abiding in him. By, by understanding that you are nothing without him. But in you, you are everything. You're more than a conqueror through Christ, which strengthens you. You're the righteous God in Christ Jesus. You can come boldly in the throne room of grace that you might receive help in time of need. The Holy Ghost is on you. Power is in you. You're able to move in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. See, signs, wonders, and miracles abound. You reign as a king. Humble in his presence, but bold in claiming his promises. The truth is, humility brings promotion. When you humble yourself, God will exalt you. God will honor you. He will, he will promote you. He will give you insight and wisdom that you should not have. And not in your own self. He opens doors for you that no man can shut. It says that God will exalt you in due time. Okay. This is not good in due time. <laughs> uh, we need due time right now. Right now. Due time right now. Right now. I'm late on due time. I need due time right now. I got to turn my phone on. Hold on a minute. There we go. The, 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 the word for due time there is kairos. In kairos in the Greek, it's, it's not like the time of day. 
it's that God will exalt you at his appointed time. God will exalt you at the best time for you to be exalted. Favor's on you. His goodness is on you. But how many knows that you love your children, but you don't go pitch them the car keys at five years old? God's got a timing process. And, 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 and so often we think that God should give it to me right now. No, you need to wait. You need to wait. I was a late bloomer. I graduated Christ Nations in 1978 and then went home and worked a secular job, ministered out of the local church, but for 12 years. Do we understand that Paul disappears off the scriptures for 14 years? Don't even know where he is. Don't know what he's doing. What's he doing? God's working on him. Joseph, we read the story of Joseph. This young 17-year-old boy was sold into slavery by his brutal brothers. And then he was accused of attempted rape. He was innocent. He was then thrown into prison. He had a dream for God in his life. It was a real dream. God had given him a dream. It was going to come to pass. But that dream had gotten him in trouble. And it's but you know, and, and, and he delivered it. And, and one day, he had a kairos. It was like suddenly a kairos time came upon him. And he, was, he went from the prison to the palace. And he had faith for that through this transition. So often we lose faith in a transition. When we think that God's got something in for us, there's something greater in me. I, I have a holy frustration on my life. I know I'm, I should be happy with what I have. I know I should look around all the things I've got that's going for me. But yet inside there's this holy frustration where I know that I'm not quite connected to all that I'm called to do. God's up to something. And here the, we read this about Joseph. And, and now I don't know how you feel about this, but the very guy that threw him into prison says, now you take care of all the bubbas that I send to you. And this baker and this butler happen to show up in there. And he says, you take good care of my buds here. I don't know how long I'm going to be in prison, but hey, they're my good friends. And so yeah, I'll take good care of them, all right. Since I have now been elevated to the chief guy in prison. Other than I'm, in the, I'm, another, I'm the top prisoner. I'm taking care of other prisoners. Still no pay. Not much honor in that. But then Joseph is walking along and he looks at these guys. And as he looks at them, he understands that they are sad. And he asks, he says, why are you sad? <laughs> I'm in prison. That's, I would be sad if I was prison. But no, these guys were unusually sad. And therein lies, he says, we've had dreams. And we have no one to interpret the dreams. If Joseph had not shown an act of kindness at that time, he would not be appointed to the palace. I don't know. You have bad days. You have bad things. You're not, not be in the, <laughs> you might not be in the place that God's called you to be, but you're in process. And as you're going through process, you can either have a good attitude about it or a bad attitude about it. And if you're, if you're what we call navel-gazing, looking at all your problems, all your difficulties, and whining and rolling around in self-pity, guess what? You're not going to be able to see an opportunity that comes around to you. Amen. Amen. That was good. Let's think about that a while. 
If you spend all your time praying about you and thinking about you, ultimately you need to start looking around and find somebody's got a bigger problem than you do. It's probably your next door, your neighbor, right? I mean, come on, a lot of people jacked up. You are the best part of the crowd because you're in church. He held on to a dream. We know that Joseph interpreted the dream, and the butler was released back to his place, and the baker was lost his life. He was executed. Joseph, act of kindness. In a difficult situation, he had to humble himself, and when he did, what did God do? He promoted him in due time. In due time. God has an appointed time for your promotion. Don't be weary in well-doing. Don't stop now. God will exalt you. But you have to humble yourself. Humble yourself. And that's not an easy thing. I've had to lay in my bed, says, Lord, this Bible says to humble myself. Lord, I humble myself. I want to be a servant of people. Live my life to give it away. Go places that no one else wants to go. I want to go to the world and preach the gospel. And we've been to places that a lot of people don't want to go. You're in Christ. You're walking in His blessing, His favor. Every day you should declare, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. This is a Kairos day for me. This is an appointed time for me. This is a day I can rejoice. Yeah, but you don't understand what kind of day I'm having. You just want to start looking at the things that other people are going through. Sometimes our problems are so small. Do you know the, the, the greatest, the, 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 my wife and I are uh, vocal and we have different opinions. She's hard-headed and she won't listen to me because I'm always right. And, uh, and, we, and we find, you ever find yourself arguing, or let's not call it arguing, let's say, put it like this, you're having a, a discussion, and it's over something so stupid that if you said it out loud, you would be embarrassed. We don't, we don't argue over big stuff. I mean, my wife, she helps me drive. She, she is my helper in the car that helps me drive. Uh, I'll be driving, and she has, she's got this inward thing that constantly says, do you know how fast you're going? I says, yes, baby, I know how fast I'm going, but if the, if the speed were broke, you'd be able to tell me how fast I'm going. I've always got a good backup plan. Then she'd ask, why didn't you park here? Why didn't you park there? And then I'm driving a certain way, so why'd you go this way? I, I got a helper in the car. Then I go and find, and you, but see the difference, you've got to understand, guys, there's a difference between help and control. We seem to think it's control. She seems to think it's helping. One day I looked at her, I said, babe, if you don't let me make a decision, I will go brain dead. 
I mean, she tries to finish my sentences. She tries to guide where I'm going so I can get there quicker. And I'm just, I mean, I'm Bubba. I'm just kind of. I'll get there, but give me a little time. She's, she's got 10 things on her mind. She's rolling all the stuff. She's got doing, I mean, everywhere. She's planning stuff. She starts telling me about stuff. I said, well, now what are we doing? I mean, been there, huh? And you have a tendency to get an attitude about that when you, when you don't understand the difference between help and control. She's helping you. <clears throat> She's helping me. She's helping me. She's helping me. She's not controlling me. She's not control. She's helping me. She's helping me think faster. Yes, she is. But along the life, life can get difficult. Bigger things can come at you. And the enemy loves to roar in your ear and tell you that God has abandoned you. And you, if you don't worry about you, if you don't do something for you, You've got to take control. You've got to do something. The Word of God tells us to cast all your care, all your worry upon Jesus where He cares for you. If you have any difficulty too heavy to carry, Jesus is inviting you to give me your worry. Give me your care. I'll take it. I'll take all your stress. I'll take everything that bothers you. Jesus is inviting you to live a worry-free life. Any takers today? Any takers? Oh, that's impossible. No, it's not impossible. Jesus wouldn't have wrote it down if it's impossible. Huh? Today, with God's help, we're going to give all the worry, all the stress, all the pressure away. Do you know that your imagination will work better if you don't have any care? Do you know that the visions and dreams of God for your life will come more freely if you're not burdened with worry? Cast all your care upon Jesus for He cares for you. It describes any difficulty that causes you to be concerned or fearful. It causes you to worry. What thoughts keep you up at night? You ever went to bed worrying about something and you woke up and it was the first thought in your head? Hmm? The thought, what's keeping, what, what negative thoughts are stealing your joy? What's stealing your peace? You ever, ever been, you suddenly find that, I mean, that your kids are just about to step on the last nerve you got? And you say, where is all this coming from? Because you've got this, this app, I call it an app, that's running in your mind in the background. Constantly reminding you, keeping you stirred up about a difficulty or problem you can't seem to, you can't seem to fix on your own. See, the, the, it says it describes something that is torn, cares something that's torn. It's, it's, a, it's, it's like it's the end of a garment that's been frayed. Once a garment's frayed, it's, it's different. you have to cut it off so you, before you can ever sew it back in the way it's supposed to do. So often people say, I'm torn up inside. I'm frayed. My emotions are frayed because of worry and fear and stress. The, the care, it begins to suffocate you. It sucks all the joy out of your life. Yeah. And it seems as if it's going to threaten everything around you. 
It's like a distant storm looking at this blackness of the sky. You don't know whether it's going to blow in or blow out. It's there always doing the best it can to threaten you of things to come. Jesus invites you to cast all your care upon Jesus for he cares for you. The Lord knows that you will face difficulties and problems. He knows that. Just like the children of Israel were led into the wilderness and said, here, I will provide for you. Now then God says, here, I'm leading you to a land where the problems will be stronger than you. The difficulties will be bigger than you. But guess what? I have you in a land where I will take care of you if you will cast all your burdens over onto me. The disciples, they were told by Jesus to get in the boat and let's go to the other side. As they went to the other side, a huge storm hit the boat that they were at on, and then, and then Jesus was asleep in the stern on a pillar. And the, and the storm got so difficult that the disciples went down and woke uh, the master up and says, Jesus, don't you care? We're all going to die. Have you ever prayed that kind of prayer? Nobody raised their hand. <laughs> Jesus, don't you care? You ever thought that? God, you don't care. I'm insignificant. I'm unimportant. This is not important enough to you. Do you not see the torment I'm in? Don't you care? Have we ever been like that? And then of all the things that Jesus did, Jesus gets up, rubs the sleep out of his eyes, walks over to the bow of the ship and says, peace, be still. And immediately the entire ocean went and the storm stopped, and the sun came out, and the birds chippered, and then everything was great. And they marveled. And he looked at them and says, why are you fearful? And why is it you have no faith? What if they'd not woke Jesus up? The Jerusalem Post, it would have read in the next day's paper, Jesus and the disciples die at sea. Exclusive. Was Jesus on the boat? Would the boat went down with Jesus on the boat? Is Jesus with you? Is he with you? Did he say he'd never leave you nor forsake you? Now why are you going to sit there and let the lie of the devil tell you that you're going to go down? Jesus is on board with you, right? He's on board with you, right? Well, yeah, but I messed up. Yeah, big deal. His grace takes care of that. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. My daughter-in-law, Crystal, which is a tremendous leader too, she's, she was driving the kids. They were small at the time. They're unusual. They call each other Bub. Rylan, which they call Bear. I, my wife and I call him by his given name. And then, and then Braley. And she was driving, and she was about 45 miles from home, and the car quit. And it was hot, Texas hot. And so she began to call, try to get find out, you know, get somebody to come get the car, do what she does. And Braley is a little, a little bit dramatic, and as the heat was there and she was starting to sweat, she said, 
we're all going to die. And Bub, his, she, she calls him Bub. She calls him Bub. And he, he says, uh, Bub, we're not going to die. It's just hot. <laughs> it's just hot. And then in all things, we're going to cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. And then it says, be sober. Well, now we're into this. You're telling me to be sober, quit my alcohol drinking. Yes, I'm going to preach against it. Praise God. No, it says be sober. Now, God moves from casting all your care to being sober. It doesn't make sense. Subject's care, not sobriety. Is, is Jesus, is, is, is he referring to, 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 to getting drunk? It doesn't make any sense. This subject's not alcohol. I didn't understand it until I realized one day that you can get drunk on worry. You ever been around somebody drunk on worry? They can't think straight. Their judgment's impaired. They're overdramatic. Uh, can't make good decisions. They get drunk on the things that could happen. Lord, you're not going to do this for me. It, it could be bad. It could be bad. It could be bad. Yeah. See, when you begin to get drunk on worry, it steals your faith. It steals your joy. It steals your peace. It steals every part of you that, that will stand against the things that are trying to steal from you. Uh, worry causes you to fear. Uh, there's no good decision that can be made out of fear. Not one. Fear is anticipating something bad to happen to someone, to you, or to someone you love. It's the opposite of faith. Faith is, a, is anticipating something good to happen it's, it's for, to you or to someone you love. Uh, you should never make decisions when you're drunk on worry. You get drunk on worry, you just need to keep your mouth shut. Uh, I'm not, no, 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 because I mean, listen to me. You can be strong in faith, and the enemy will hit you with a fiery dart. And when it hits you, you know it's a lie. Right? You know it's a lie. But when it hits, it bypasses your spirit, man, and hits your emotions. And it's your, your mind and your spirit saying it's a lie. Your emotions are saying it's true. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. I have had things hit me that I, when it hit, I said, that's from, the, that's from Satan itself. But it like it went poof, bypassed, hit my emotions, and my emotions are going. Has anybody ever been there? You know it's a lie. I know this is a lie from hell, but my emotions are saying it's true. I don't understand that. But it, it comes at you. God, you care for me. You love me. You will exalt me. You will promote me. Something's good's headed my way. And when we when we talk about casting, how do we do that? Well, it gives kind of a, in Texas we get the idea of casting like we're gonna we're gonna throw a fishing line. We'll cast it out, and boy, we get it going. And what we do is we take it in prayer, 
Lord, I give you this problem and difficulty in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for providing for me. Hallelujah. And all my worries are gone in Jesus' name. And then our mind starts to work. And we go, wow, well, I didn't think about that. You're sitting there and suddenly, you know, you got it pretty well settled. And then suddenly you you start having a scenario that you've not ever even thought about before. And go, oh, my God, I didn't think about this. This could really be bad. Next thing you know, you got it back. And then, and then, and lo and behold, you kind of get a hold of yourself and you cast it away one more time. And then you get talking to one of your relatives or friends and it comes up when, lo and behold, what do you do? Bring it right back. I cast the money problem, the marriage problem, the health problem. I give it all to you. And then we reel it back. Because why? We want to be in control. There's got to be something I can do, Surely. Surely I can do something I can do. Well, you can pray about it. Give it to God. And then when you say, Lord, yeah, I have your wisdom. You give me wisdom, I'll do anything you tell me to do. In the meantime, I'm just going to give all my care and concern away. Cast all your care to Him. Now, the biblical meaning of casting is to take a heavy load too difficult for you to carry and put it on a beast of burden. Now, I'm not calling Jesus a donkey or a camel, but it gives, it's a good analogy. It gives the idea that here we see that you can take something too difficult to carry and put it over on to a donkey, and he can carry your burden. In Texas, we put it in a truck. Too difficult for me to carry. Put it on a cart. Too difficult for me to carry. So often we get the attitude that we're insignificant and God doesn't want to carry my problem. How many many problems can Jesus carry? Can he carry, can he take care of all my worries and concerns? Can can he do mine and do yours? So he can do every problem here, right? He can take every problem, is that right? But see, we want to be in control. No, I have to be responsible. No. The truth is, if you want to be at your A game, you have to give it to Jesus. And so often we take on false responsibility and we become God. We become God. I'll take it. I'll be the man. I'll take care of it. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't work well. Cast the weight, the worry, the fear. Cast it and put it over to Jesus. I have a huge burden. It's too difficult. I have something too so small. Jesus doesn't want to take this. No, give it to Jesus. Don't be like the child that's with his mother in the grocery store. And uh, mom starts to pick up a 10-pound bag of beans. And she picks up the 10-pound bags of beans. Little boy says, Mom, let me carry that for you. She said, well, that's not necessary. I can just put it in the basket. It's no more difficult to carry in the basket. Mom, I want to carry it. I want to help. I want to help. So mom says, okay. Ten-pound bag. Probably after about 10, 15 minutes, the little boy's starting to. And then, you know, it's saying you're dragging it. And what's he want to do? He's wanting to be help, right? I want to be help. I want to do my part. I just want to carry this. And only when he gets exhausted to the point that he can no longer take it, 
Will he say, Mom, can you put it in the basket? And then guess what? He's free to mess with all the stuff on the shelves and cause Mama trouble. <laughs> to do whatever else he wants to do. How about you? Are you carrying it? Sometimes you're held to live with because you won't give it away. You're meaner than a junkyard dog and I'm saved, full of the Holy Spirit and know the Word of God and still walk around mean. Why? Because I'm carrying it. I'm carrying it. I was taught to carry it. I, my family caught me. You carry it. You do it. You do it. You got to do it, man. No, not when it comes to stress and worry. I get it. Go work. Do your best you can. I get that. I'm not telling you to go out there and put your head in the sand. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying this. Don't carry the stress. Don't do it. Don't you get tired of carrying it all? You get tired of being emotionally strained. I mean, your kids, my gosh. Say, I don't know what I want to do with these kids. These kids go, I don't know what we're going to do with Obama. <laughs> I mean, you, everybody's wanting to kill one another. Why? Because stress. Problems and difficulties. Jesus is interested in every facet of your life. Yeah. Amen. I, I feel like I'm kind of swimming up. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it in regard to it's just how difficult we Texas people are. Well, I raised myself by myself, put raised myself up by putting my own bootstraps up. Praise God, I can do it all by myself. No, you can't. Not be successful, you can't. You'll die before your time. He cares for you. And then, uh, true story, I, I have walked in and Problems with the church. And I tell my wife, babe, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't, I, I don't know. About people or whatever it could be. I don't know what we're going to do. And she looks at me and she goes, I'll just give it to Jesus. <laughs> do you, no, let's, no, let me tell you the real problem. Let me tell you, you don't understand the problem. Let me tell you the problem. I'll tell her the problem. Do you understand? Yeah. Okay, what are we going to do? Just give it to Jesus. Don't you just want to just kind of, I'll slap you in the name of Jesus. Are you kidding me? Worry with me. Come on. Let's see. Defeat together. Walk with me through despair and frustration. No, they should give it to Jesus. She goes off and does whatever she wants to go. And what do we think? She won't take on responsibility. Ask the doctors. They say that 95% of disease comes from stress. Worry can cause heart attacks, strokes, high blood pressure, and depression. It steals your sleep. It will make you sick. Worry makes you mean. Worry makes you judgmental. Makes you want to 
point your finger at everybody. I'm in this position because the people did me wrong. Or it will make you tired, steal your faith, steal your joy, your peace, hopes and your dreams. Get drunk on worry, man. You're slobbering drunk. Commode hugging drunk. Can't make sense drunk. Drunk on what could happen. Worry drains you of your creativity. A centurion lady, she's 100 years old, was asked, secret to living a happier life. She said, I used to worry a lot, she says, and used to worry about a lot of things. Truth is, I've had a lot of trouble, most of which never happened. Worry is wasting today's time on yesterday's troubles and tomorrow's problems. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The enemy does not want you strong in the joy of the Lord. Worry will attempt to steal your joy and your strength. It plays scenarios of tragedies. And in your mind, you are sure all hope is lost. You're isolated and alone. No one is here to help you. Worry is a liar. It will tell you God has abandoned you. You're all alone. And it continually whispers ever so quietly, God does not care. He does not care. Years ago, we would say a dog worried a bone. Give a dog a bone, what he'll do? He'll go out there and he'll gnaw every little thing off that thing. He, for hours. And that gives us a good picture of what we will do with a potential problem. The truth is, the Bible says, whatever does not originate from faith is sin. Worry does not originate from faith. Worry is sin. The 11th commandment, thou shalt not worry. <laughs> worry objective is to steal your faith. It is your enemy. It's, it's, it wants to torment you with thoughts of bad things. Yeah. Jesus is speaking and he says in Matthew six twenty five. He says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look, and this is an example, he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than the birds? So are you more valuable than a bird? Amen. You are more valuable. This is not a trick question. You know, yes, you're more valuable than a bird. Now, the birds of the air, they, sow, they, 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 they don't sow, they don't reap. And they can't, buy, can't gather it together in barns and get ready for, for cold days. They have no bank account. They, they don't store food, right? And they wake up every morning broke, hungry, and singing about it. So next time you're out 
having coffee, and you hear a bird singing. Think about it. Think about it. It's simple, isn't it? Come on, my family. Isn't it simple? Isn't it really simple? Well, that bird is having a great day. He's having a great day. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a bank account. He doesn't have anything going for him. And look at me. Look what I've got. I'm more valuable than a bird. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Resist him steadfast, steadfast in faith. He attempts to get in your mind, to, to get you to doubt. He wants you destroyed. He don't want you happy. He can't keep you from going to heaven. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. He can't stop that, but he can definitely make you, make this part of your life horrible. Horrible. Resist him, knowing that, it, knowing that his teeth has been knocked out. He has nothing against you. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 4 through 5, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe this morning that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. If you believe it, say it, say it with your mouth. Say yes. yes. Then if that's the case, then guess what? You overcome the world. You have that power and that authority. You do. Well, it's more complicated than that. No, it's not. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with habitual sin. Okay, great. Well, not great, but I understand. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Everybody's got stress and worry. Come to me and I will give you rest. <sighs> Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're carrying a heavy burden this morning, you're doing something wrong. Now, I, listen, hear me. I'm not here to throw a rock at anybody. This past month has been one of the most difficult months of my life. And I've had to read this scripture with tears. Feeling abandoned. Fought by the enemy on every turn. Feeling totally isolated. And I have no one to blame because Jesus told me to do what I did to do. He said, I want you to do this, son. And I did it. And I said, Lord, you didn't tell me it's going to be this hard. He said, it's not that hard if you'll give it to me. If you give it to me. See, 
I was actually complaining about all this. He said, no, wait a minute, son. You get mad at people around you. Who asked you to do this? I said, you did. So, so you're mad at me. I went, oh, now, Lord, don't do that to me. <laughs> well, then don't blame people around you. Blame me. I said, well, I can't do that. So he said, well, you are. Son, your attitude's not very good. I said, well, I'm working on it, Lord. I'm working on it. See, that's the deal. You're in process. To sit back and just say, click our little heels and say, okay, no more worries. Praise Jesus. I get it. I understand. I know about fighting depression. I know about fighting low self-esteem. I know, you think that you got everything done with, and it seems like that you're an adolescent again, and all these feelings come roaring back. I understand. But the Word of God does not lie. And I can tell you this, as I continue to claim what God says about my life, the, 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 the accusations of the wicked one are getting smaller and smaller, and the, and the potential that I have is getting stronger and stronger. I know the enemy fights against me because he has something, because God has something great he wants to do. Why are you facing opposition today? What gift do you have that the enemy does not want to see come to the forefront? You think it's about you, but sometimes it's about the gift of God in you, and the, the gift in you scares him to death. God has greatness on the inside of you. Something bigger inside of you is there. And the enemy will, will do the role, man. He'll put the cinema on you. You'll see it as clearly as you can imagine, just like watching a great movie of your demise. That you'll never accomplish anything. See yourself divorced, handicapped, dear God, without work, homeless. I mean, the enemy will play all kinds of scenarios in your mind. And if you're not careful, next thing you know, you're there. You get it. You, you walk around in a bad mood, frustrated, and don't know what in the heck's wrong with you. It's because you can't not cast your care. I have to take responsibility. No, Jesus can take it for you. Jesus inviting you today. Give him everything that concerns you. Cast your care. Give it to him. Your shoulders aren't big enough. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. But man, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. You can do it that way. Cast your care. Paraphrase, it means this. Don't be intoxicated on worry. Be alert. Your enemy, your opponent in lawsuit, the devil, attempts to put fear in your heart by roaring accusations in your ear. He's attempting to devour you by bullying you with fear of what could be. His plan is to weigh you down with worry. But you resist. Stand against him steadfast, unwavering in faith. That's what we do. That's what separates us. Yeah, you might be down. Yeah, you might be in the fight. But today, you got to reprieve. Today, we're going to cast our care. We're going to give it to Jesus. How many takers, huh? How many? How many? How many? Father, we thank you for this time today. Father, I don't mean to minimize the difficulty. 
in your people's lives. I don't mean to minimize them. I don't mean to make fun of a difficult situation that's huge. But I know this. You wrote it, Lord, that we're to cast our care over onto you. For you care for us. And Lord, today, Holy Spirit, through the revelation, give us insight. Insight of how much Jesus loves us and how much he cares for us. Lord, today, Lord, we're grasping for all the faith that we got. And we're taking all that, the problems and the worries and the stress and the difficulties, and we're throwing it over on to Jesus. Take it, Lord, take it, take it. We don't want the stress. We don't want to carry this load anymore. We're tired of being drunk on worry. We're sick of it. Sober us up in faith that we might see your promises and have revelation knowledge in the things that are to come. That, Lord, that we'll be equipped with the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. That we will be able to do random acts of kindness and not be so wrapped up in our own pain. That, Lord, that we'll be able to see the pain of others. That, Lord, that you will use us in such a time as this. Today, we cast our care over unto you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. We do it by faith. Lord, take everything, every marriage problem, every financial difficulty, every health problem, everything that's, that's there out there, that, that rumbling thunderstorm that's there that's saying you will not make it, that your children will not make it, that your grandchildren won't make it. Lord, that we come against that in the name of Jesus. Lord God, that we are fully equipped with you. We have all that we need. That we cast all our care over onto you. And we're going to have the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. We're going to walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit of the living God. We're going to see signs and wonders and miracles abound. We'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We're going to, Lord, we're going to walk randomly through this world with your joy, your peace, that we'll be able to minister to suffering humanity in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And if you agreed with it, then give me a great big amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure December Last of December of 2010, my heart was producing 27% of my blood. That's how, my, how my weak my heart was. Nine days after I got out of the hospital, I was in Costa Rica preaching at a Youth for the Nations there, Christ for the Nations there. And then I went to El Salvador for eight days after I left there. And I thought I was going to die. I believe that Jesus healed but my body was saying I was dying. My wife had to carry my own, my carry-on luggage through the airport. I was weak as water. She'd walk, and she's got little bit short legs. She walks like this. <laughs> I love her, you know, but she's doing that. And I, I just said, baby, you're going to have to slow down. I can't keep up. I was one week out from beginning to defibrillator. And I just kept claiming the promises of God. I'll live and not die. By his stripes, I'm healed. 
That's all you know to do, folks. Through the tears, you claim the promises. The lie hits. You know it's a lie. What do you do? You go get in the Word of God. You can't stand against it in your own self. You got to use God's Word. If you don't use God's Word, then you're, you're out. He's got you. I just kept claiming God's Word. May 29, 2011, her dad came to service. First service, he walked up to me and said, Son-in-law, I need to pray for you. And he's like a dad to me. My dad died when I was six. Never had a dad. He prayed for me. Spit all over me. Pentecostal. Spit all over me. Prayed for me. In Jesus' name, you know, spit all over me. I didn't care. It's holy spit. Holy spit. I went, didn't feel a thing. Following day, I got up. I said, babe, I feel something's different. Tuesday, I got up. I said, babe, something's wrong. Something's really good. I said, rather, I, I called, called and was about to put a defibrillator in me. I said, so is this going to make me feel better? And he says, no, it's not going to make you feel better. So why are you putting a defibrillator in there? I said, oh, if, if it won't make me feel better, why? Well, I found out, sudden death, I am going to die. And they want a defibrillator in there because when I fall over, it'll shock me and keep me alive a little longer. That's how sick I was. If I laid down, I would ground on the old fluid on my lungs. It's an AFib. My heart beat in different directions. I was dying. Her, he prayed for me. God healed me. Now, I'm telling you, I've been to hell. I've felt death. I've, felt it, I've seen it so dark, I can't even... I couldn't put my hand in front of my own. Couldn't see it. I prayed and it felt like heaven was brass. God wouldn't answer. No chill up and down. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I, I didn't feel nothing. But I knew God's word was true. And I knew that my symptoms were a lie. And you got to look at that worry and stress the same way. The enemy shows up to molest you. Steal from you. How many in here? I mean, if you suddenly someone started trying to molest you, you say, oh, okay, it's okay. No, you'd throw a fit. You'd fight everything within you. And yet we let that, that thing walk into our house and into our, and we begin to just entertain the stuff that comes at us. It's time for the people of God to stand up and fight and say, no! Not accepting this anymore. I'm done with it. You're not gonna you're not gonna water down the gift of God in me anymore. You're not gonna tack me through arguments with my spouse. You're not gonna come at me at accusations of the we're gonna go broke. No. Matter of fact, somebody's gotta be wealthy for preaching the gospel. Might as well be me. Come on, you gotta you got God's got great things for me. Amen. Well, you can see it's been a while since I preached, so y'all better stand up or I'm going to be go on at this. Man, oh man, it's time. It's just time. We want to be sensitive to those that are in our midst that you might not know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. I was, I was so, I didn't know Jesus and I didn't know who he was, and then I met him. 
and he changed my life forever. And he will do that for you. And you may be here and be ashamed of where you've been and what you've been giving yourself to. But you have given your life to Jesus, and today you want to rededicate your life. So, Lord, today I'm making a, a new commitment to you. I'm giving it. I'm giving it to you. If that's anybody, just bow your head, close your eyes. Let's give them some privacy. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm going to pray for you right where you're at. If that's you today, raise your hand boldly. It's a pastor. Pray for me. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, get bold about it. Anyone else? Let's pray this prayer. I see that hand. God bless you. Lord Jesus, I'm a, let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, I believe you're God in the flesh. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you were raised from the dead. Jesus, take all my sin. Forgive me. And be my Lord. And be my God. I take your righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.